Welcome to the first episode of the Intentional Evolution podcast. In this episode, I spoke to John Cardis, who has helped mentor me in sales and my career, but also through self-development and teaching me how to embrace getting out of my comfort zone to find that next level of performance. In today's episode, we really explored three main topics, how to take full responsibility of your current situation, learning to be more aware of your emotions and what to do with them. And then we explore the preliminary stages of the self-evolution framework all through John's personal journey and story. I attached some of John's information as well as how to find his new book, Leveraging the Power Free, below. And thanks for listening and enjoy. John, welcome, man. Um, I'm excited to have you. This is the first episode of the evolution podcast and i hope it's the first of of many to come um but i'm i'm definitely excited to have you as my first guest on here and just some context as far as really why i decided to start this podcast is i think as people no matter what stage in in life we're in i think we all have goals we want to achieve uh, or a hobby we've always wanted to start a business we've wanted to get into, but life gets in the way a lot of the time. And what I want to do through this podcast is have conversations that dig into why some people actively pursue these types of projects or goals more than others and what motivates them to go out and take a risk or make the sacrifice to pursue these things because it's very hard to do so. But it can also be very rewarding. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of dive into the, the process that a lot of these individuals go through. And I hope that through a lot of these conversations, we can equip people with tools and hopefully the motivation to go out and do the things that they've always wanted to do and just get more exposure to these types of conversations. Um, and that's, that's why I'm so excited to have John Cardis, a, a dear friend of mine here. Um, just some accomplishments to give you guys some context. Um, John, you were employee of the year at 23 years old. Um, you managed and helped launch a sales team that was doing over a million dollars a month in revenue. You just published your first book, the power of free and in the last few months you're now pursuing more of the entrepreneurial route for yourself and you start a sales agency and are now beginning that next phase in your career and you're having a lot of success with it um and from from an achievements point of view right i think if someone were to meet you right now right or or is listening to this or they're hearing well you know, this is someone that's had a pretty high level of success from a career point of view. But the reason why I'm so excited to have you here is because, like, you're not someone that you can point to and say, well, this guy's had it all handed to him. It wasn't always like this. And that's what's exciting. And what I'd like to do is dive into that process a little bit and and to start i think take me back to where this all started 
um, did you, do you feel like you always had this entrepreneurial like mindset or do you think that there's some events or things that happened to you growing up that you can point to and say, well, that's where that came from? Well, do start Clemente. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see this podcast explode. Like I know it's going to, and you're going to serve and help so many people like achieve that next level. And like that excites me and seeing your development from where you were into where you're going, where you are now. So, um, pumped to be here. Thanks. Um, I would totally then say, yes, it is. I can point to specific events caused the mindset, right. To keep growing, keep evoluting. Right. Like, and it does, it never does stop. I can think back as early. 11, 12 years old, I think back to kind of some of the horrors of my life and the pain that I went through that was not self-inflicted pain, right? But external that was caused and then created internal pain. And so, um, you know, some of that stuff, like my parents getting divorced at a very young age and the, you know, the heat turning off in the middle of winter in New York and me seeing my mom struggle, my little sister, and see my parents not be able to communicate to then put it together and solve the problem. So from a very young age, I was ingrained that, hey, this is a financial issue. And so from very young, I told myself, I am going to make money. And that's been my Achilles heel, but also my greatest strength. And so like when I think back to those times is like that then defined so much of my life for so long to when it was, it was easy to say no to the party, no to the girl, no to the this, no to the that, no to distractions essentially. And it was always about what's the next business to create? What's the next thing to do? What's the next level to hit? Uh, what's the next business to start? And so like, it was a constant wheels turning type of thing. And that was based off the pain that was given to me based off my external and my internal saying, hey, I need to do something about it. For a long period of time, I was depressed for, for so, so long. And I was down on myself and I was disappointed in my situation. I was disappointed in my family and I was upset with the way we lived time and time again. You know, we were not the poorest in the town, but we, you know, we live in a very difficult situation where it was, you know, we had a three bedroom, uh, three bedroom house, you know, bottom floor of a house and it was an apartment. So somebody above us and, you know, there's, it's old and there's crickets and like jumping around and like, and like, the, you know, the water, uh, you know, the water pressure was low and it was cold and it took a long time for it to get hot. And it like, so there was just different things that were depressing that I didn't let define me. And it became, it, came, it became like, what can I do about this? Like, I, because mm -hmm. I pointed the finger for so long. I said, it's your fault and it's your fault and it's your fault and it's your fault. And then it came down to like, yes, it might be but they're not going to do anything about it. Right. And so what am I going to do about it? And I think that's really where the journey like took, took a, took a, like an exponential curve up when I said, I'm going to do something about it. I think transition. And, and when, when did that, that shift happen from possibly a little bit of, of like that victim, not victims mentality, but 
you know, blaming other people to finally feeling like, hey, this is something you can take responsibility for. Like, when do you feel like that shift happened for you? I mean, everything in my life was going down. <laughs> um, Hurricane Sandy came and we had a really nice apartment, our first apartment out of the divorce house or my childhood. Mm. And then Hurricane flooded us out. We moved into then this, this downstairs apartment that I'm talking about with the crickets and the, you know, bad water pressure and all that kind of stuff. And I got addicted to video games because I was like trying to escape reality. Right. And so playing video games, you know, trying to be the next gamer of the year, trying to be a Call of Duty pro. <laughs> and, you know, I, was, I would skip school. I would skip school and I would skip basketball practice and I would skip, you know, football. And like all, the things that I loved, like became like problems and things that I no longer wanted and like obligations like something was extremely off. And so like the school began to call my mom and be like, you know, your son's not here again. And, you know, I'd wake up every other day and be like, mom, I'm sick. And like, I was not sick and she knew I wasn't sick. She just knew I was really depressed. And so like, I would stay home by myself and like, I would sit in bed and play Xbox and I would like cry at the end of the wow. day. Cause I spent, I spent 12 hours a day playing Xbox, doing nothing. I'm like, this isn't life. And like, there's so much pressure and like, I'm not doing what's expected of me. And so like, after a period of time of just like sorrow, you know, kind of going through that process, a cycle for about a year, I would say, like, I looked myself in the mirror and I said, it's time for something to change. And I don't know what that something is, but something needs to change. But that at least opened the awareness to then say, okay, cool. like. I'm going to have to do something again. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to ask the people around me like their experience. And so that I can get that next step. I just need to take the next step. That, that's interesting because I was, I was writing down a little bit of like the, the stages of, of change, right? Like it's a little bit of that circular motion. And the first part is realizing and having that willingness to change. And one of the things that I wrote is like, well, what happens if you know you need to change and you know something needs to happen, but you don't know what that is yet? And it's really interesting you bring that up because I think a lot of people think that, well, I want something to change, but I don't know what to do. And I think that's okay. But I, I like the fact that you brought that up as far as like you didn't know what it was necessarily, but you knew something needed to change. And the first thing you did was talk to people about it. I think that's really interesting. I think that's something that is, because I think when you talk to people about it and you start bringing that up in your life, it's like planting the seed and now you start watering it and giving it sunlight. Yeah. It's, and what I've learned even like now is that like if something's hidden, if it's if something if we hide something if we hide something intentionally it's in the unconscious like it doesn't have a place to breathe like and we are subduing it and so what we're doing is we're causing and inflicting like confusion upon ourselves and then acting in that confusion because it's not brought to light and so as soon as something that is a problem becomes something that is aware and brought to light and we can do this through like conversations like we're talking about with mentors or we can do this through conversations right. with friends that we trust and love and, and know you know we can do this with family but as soon as we bring that to life 
then there's no escaping it. There's no running from it. And so the big thing is like our words mean so much. And like we live and die by like our tongue, right? And what we say. And so like we're going to live. We're going to get the life we need to then solve the problem. Love that, man. And, and so you, you had this, I guess, this realization and this, this willingness where you're like, hey, I, I, need, to, I need to do something. When, when was that and, and kind of what, what happened once you started talking to people about it and, and speaking about it? Yeah, so I would say that had to be 2013. I would say it had to be 2013. Um, my ninth grade in high school into sophomore year. So freshman to sophomore year, basically sophomore year. Um, and so what really began to happen was again, I need to have those conversations. So I said, okay, cool. Like I need a therapist. And that was a tough pill for me to swallow because I was very angry and I didn't want to be classified as my dad, like having problems, right? And so like, so that was a big, big step for me and I was really reluctant to do it. And I was really, I had this big wall in front of me, but I knew that the wall had to come down and there were some deep emotions that I just wasn't working through on my own. I didn't have the self-awareness um, and I didn't have the knowledge back then, right? And so like there was that. And then what I knew was that I had to build myself up emotionally. And so when I, when I looked at like, and then I set a goal and the goal was, was to be the best player in football that I can be. I thought I was going to the NFL, right? And we all think we're going to the NFL, you know, when we're young and all that kind of stuff. I really did. I thought I was going to the NFL. It was always the dream. And so like for me, the first big goal I had was football. And it was like, I'm going to live, eat, sleep and breathe football. And it, like so much so I didn't care about school. I was like, I'm going to get C's because like every second I'm not focused on that work, I can be training. And so like I did just enough in order to play. And so what began to happen was I, I said, okay, cool. Like what's going to serve my greatest goal, my greatest goal being football, right? And then what's also going to like build myself up emotionally because I'm distraught and I'm depressed and I need confidence. Mm. And so I began working out like religiously, like two or three times a day. And I would go six o'clock in the morning to the gym. I'd drive to the gym illegally <laughs> and drive to the gym and like go do a cardio workout and then play some basketball, whatever it was, shower up at the gym, get home and shower up at the gym because it had better water pressure and it was hot. And then come back home, change into my stuff and then go to, then go to school. And then, you know, I began to see that I felt really good. I felt a little bit better every day because I was shocking my endorphins into place. Right. And I was just happy. I was a little bit happier. And so I was happier, I began to do a little bit more in school, in homework, in uh, whatever it was, or encouraging friends or encouraging family, right? And then as I started seeing results, it was like, okay, whoa, like my mind did this, my, my, my mind did this to my body and my body produced this. And so like, I think sometimes like we don't see the results and that begins, begins to come, become yeah. a problem. Like, cause the results are not like this. Anything that's instant gratification isn't worth it. Right. Anything worth having isn't easy. And so like, if, if you just got a six pack on day one, where's the journey or the excitement in it? Right. Like there's, there's, there's no worth or no value. We like give, we give it no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. We start eating like crap again. 
right? We stopped going to the gym because we just got it. And so I don't know, that was, the, that was the big shift for me was then saying, okay, cool. Like this aligns with my goals. And then that started to build up my confidence. And then I was able to continue to kind of work through things from there. That's good. And, and then I actually, I, I realized we, we, we've never talked about this, but so you went to Florida Atlantic University, right? Yeah. Why, why FAU? even though it was away from home, away from your mom, away from your family, and like what, what went into that decision? So, so okay, so one is that, so I did two years in a community college locally, mm-hmm. and that was because I asked my mom, and I was like, hey, like, is it gonna help me out with college? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> Are you gonna help me co-sign out a loan? No, and I'm like, okay me now and then it was like more ownership more weight and i was dating a girl at the time that was in my hometown and so i was like i'm gonna stay home it just makes the most sense we ended up breaking up prior to going to florida atlantic but that was a big that was a big jump for me that was like the moment i think like i took the next step the next major Mm. step like when i think about the moments in my life that were the hardest decisions like but also bear the most fruit like that is definitely one of them and so like again i went to my two years and i got all a's like in that in community college because i'm sitting there thinking like i'm gonna try to get a scholarship like for academics like i've never been that type of person but i'm gonna do it and so i actually i did i got a little bit of a scholarship not much but i got a little bit of a scholarship but i was going from in-state community college, right, with government assisted loans, then to out of state tuition in a, uh, in a private school. Um, right. I'm sorry, a public school, but uh, really a prestigious school, an expensive school from out of state. Um, and so I knew tuition was like 45 grand a year. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, darn, if I go for another two years, that's like 100 grand. And then like, right. I, and then I figured out loans on my own without a cosigner were like 13.5% interest. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I pay this thing off in 20, 30 years. Like, I'm like, I'm gonna owe a 400 grand. This is gonna be yeah. crazy. And so what was my life? And luckily I worked my tail off when I was in community college. I focused heavily on that. It was grind time. And I saved, I got to save up like $20,000 between insurance. What, what did you do to save that up? Yeah, so I did insurance sales. And then I did, um, so I did athletic insurance sales, all commission, uh, nothing guaranteed. And then I was a project manager for a construction company. And then I also did like various businesses, like, uh, like t-shirts for my school, you know, for the fans years. And we customized the t-shirts, put people's names on the back and all this kind of stuff. So I ended up walking away like a couple of years, like I made three or four grand a year based off of t-shirt sales. And right. so like, I was always like, I'm not, I'm not spending that money. Like I know the value of a dollar, <laughs> you know, I'm saving that. And I didn't know what I was saving for, but like I gave myself the opportunity to take the option, right? So I gave myself options. I think money gives us options, right? And if like, if I didn't do that, if I didn't have that mind of lack and like scarcity at that time, like to where I wanted to save everything, like I wouldn't have been able to take the opportunity at FAU. And so like, what I told myself was, okay, I'll go down for a semester. I'll spend 20 grand 
And there were a couple of times where I, I, I ran out of money and like my mom gave me a little bit. Um, mm. But I said, I'm going to take the risk and do it. And at the very worst, what's the worst thing that can happen? I said, I blow 20 grand. I come back home. I have a safety net. Right. I don't want to be home. I'm not happy about it. There's a lot of things I don't like. Right. But I'll come back home and I'll go to a local school. Right. The worst thing that could happen is again, I just leave. I spend 20 grand for, and I get an experience for a semester. If I don't like it or it's not worth it, I go home at the end of the first. And, and but that made me, I woke up every single day saying, I am spending this much to be here. Right. And it's going to cost me this much in the long run to be here and like make the day count. The count was just be happy, just develop, just yeah. build relationships, build friendships as much as you can for as many people, different types of people as you can. Like I had friends from all different ethnicities and I wanted to understand their background, their culture, their parents. I wanted to understand everything because like I was just building a foundation, but it was based off the risk I took. Yeah, and what one of the things that, that comes up for me as, as you're saying this, and I think the big, correct me if I'm wrong, that theme for you has, I think, been a couple of things, right? The two words really stick out when, when I'm hearing this is, A, ownership, ownership and accountability of, hey, you know, I can either point fingers and say, hey, this happened because of this and this and this reason, but I think what happens if you do that is it takes away accountability and it makes you feel powerless to a certain extent. Because if other people cause you to feel this way, if you feel the, this way because of other people, how are you gonna change it without relying on other people? And I think there's power in that and, and you're, you're an example of the power that comes with that complete ownership. But I think also what what happened after that complete ownership is you were very, very intentional about what you did and why. And that's a really valuable skill to have and you learned it through, I mean, you learned it because you didn't have a choice <laughs> to a certain extent, but it's what allowed you to go in and, and very intentionally say, I'm gonna go and do these, these things which for a college kid, I don't think is a very common thing to have, is though that level of skill. But it, it came from that ownership of, of the, and taking responsibility for the, the hardships that you went through, even though they weren't really your fault. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally resonate and agree with that. I mean, like, we do have a choice. We always have a choice. And like, I, I, I think with my past, like based off of what people have told me, like adults, you know, that have seen me grow up, could have went down right. a route of drugs and abuse and anger and mm. like all, I could have went completely rebel on everything and ultimately like, ultimately been a loser <laughs> by my definition of it, right? And, but like, and so, but it was a choice of like, hey, I'm going to attack this head on. And you're right, the yeah. intentionality and the ownership like is what ultimately gets us to that next level. Yeah, and, and then you got, you were in FAU that first semester and it sounds like things went pretty well, but um, tell me a little bit about like getting there and, and like you're meeting all these new people, you're, you're networking, you're doing all these things and then into 
I guess, walk me through the mindset of, of starting to work for someone completely for free, being the intern and just coming in and saying, hey, I'm just here for whatever you need. Yeah, so I guess I'll explain how the mindset kind of came up and then how it happened. And so my, again, my first semester, I was like, I want to experience anything and everything. Like uh -huh. that will give or not, this was worth it. And so again, like I had friends, I met with friends, I was, you know, things that I was always scared to do, I took on. Like, so I was like the vice president of the marketing association. I was always scared to be like a leader. Like it was it's weird, but like, I was always scared to have like people come to me. And so I went through the pain of that. And then I joined a, like a nonprofit palsy and autism swim in a pool called Splash Pals. And I was on the board of directors for that. And so like, I took on so many responsibilities, but like those responsibilities like allowed me to then be more people, to get more experiences, to get more knowledge, right. more, hey, is this worth it? And so um, through like the, um, the marketing association, I found a, a guy who, you know, um, who went to FAU that was a public speaker who was on the BET Awards, red carpet. His name is J.R. Rivera. And mm -hmm. I saw that he went to FAU. And so I, I contacted him based off a location on Instagram, based off Florida Atlantic University location. I saw his posts and his tags. And I contacted him, I said, hey, like, you know, I'm a vice president of this market association. I would love to have you speak to us and the club and the organization. And like, he made us pay and buy some books for him. And, you know, it, it, it was funny, it was funny. But like, so he came in, we bought his books. I read his books. I went through all his whole Instagram. I got very familiar with who he was. Mm -hmm. And what came about was a very, uh, like my first real mentor and a relationship that I cherish so much to this day. Um, and so like he signed a book for me and he, you know, he wrote something special and like that stuck with me. And then, but during his talk, his talk to the organization was like, don't focus on money, provide value. Like, and that was the shift. Like, cause I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, wait, and I went up to him after I said, JR, like, I know we don't know each other that much, but like, I've had a really rough life. Like I need money, bro. <laughs> like, right. like I am taking the biggest risk of my life right now. I need money. And it was, so it went something like that. And, and I was like, why would you say value? And so the concept started to arise based off that conversation. And so then we met a couple of times for lunch after that on campus and he came out 30 minutes just to come meet with me. Um, and so like I saw him because I, because I latched onto his concept and his talk, he poured into me is, is what it felt like. And then as he's teaching me about the power of free, again, I'm sitting there thinking like, dude, I, I need money, but like, you know what? I'm in a position in my life where I will try anything. Right. Like I'm just open to anything as I talked about before that first semester. And so like I begin to test the power of free on him because it was like, who do I add value to? Like, right. I don't know what to do. Right. And I started testing out on him. And so some that were again, and I was just a broke college student. Right. But I, I, I got creative. I thought about it. And I'm like, my like, JR, you know, like, what are you needing most right now? And he goes more speaking engagement. Like, how can I get in front of more organizations like you? 
And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, let me Google that. And like, just look up all the American marketing associations around the country and just hit up all of them. And if they want to talk and need a testimony for what this guy can do, I will say it. And so I got him booked some opportunities like in, in Miami, um, at FIU and U Miami and stuff like that. And like, I didn't want any money. Like, it was just like, I'm testing this concept. I'm going to do it. I'm putting the work because I got nothing else better to do. I'm not working a job, just going to school. Um, and so like, that was one way for me to test the concept, which then ultimately became, became like going into semester number two. So like right before semester number two, so this was like December, right before Christmas break. I'm like, okay, cool. And I proved, I proved the concept. Now, what do I want to do? And my goal was always work from anywhere in the world and make money from my laptop. And it, it was because cool. I had this goal. I, I want to make a ton of money. Cool. That fulfills that. But then I also never seen the world. Like mm. I grew up in New York and we didn't go on vacations and we stayed very much in the tri-state Maryland, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, just a little bit. Like I didn't see the world at all, you know? And so for me, it was like, how can I travel and make money for my life? I see all these gurus doing it. Right. Like, how can I do it? Hmm. And so, you know, I thought that answer was e-commerce. And so then I came across Jared Getz and like drop shipping um, hmm. and learning about that. And so um, I reached out to him and I said, you know, and I did a ton of research on him too, like the same process as JR. And I right. said, you know, like I, you know, I know you're from Long Island, Jared, and I know you had a single mother, you know, that, you know, you, you, that's how you grew up. I grew up the same exact way. I had a little bit of a struggle as well. Like, I would love to come work for you free. Like, no matter what it is, I'll, I'll, like, I'll do it. And like, 24 hours went by, and I'm like, and he read it. And I'm like, crud, like, that stinks. <laughs> and, then I got a, and then I got a response, like, hey, can you come in this week? And so that was the beginning of, of the next journey, essentially. And then like, what was, so you went from, and I know you talk about this in the book, Loving Your Power Free, but like, what was the first time that you went from, or maybe how long did it go from you working for free, doing all these things and, and just being there and trying to add value into it actually turning into some, some traction monetarily? Because I think we all want to, I think from, from, an idealistic point of view, we'd love to say, hey, you know, I can work for free and, and do X, Y, and Z and, and mean it. But, you know, I think the end goal is, hey, at some point, I need to be able to bring some money in. Yeah. So it was when the value exceeded the time. Right. So as a broke college kid, I said, okay, cool. I have time. You know, right. that's, where, that's where free came from. Um, and so they put me on a project. And I am the least technical integrator person. And we know what that is now, of course, but like I am the least that like, I love to talk and keep and document nothing, honestly. And that's me to a fault even now. Um, but they, they, uh, on this like product finder thing and I'm doing like coding, like, like front end coding, not back end coding. So nothing crazy, like from a developer standpoint, but like, Systems. I'm transferring files to MP3s and I'm uploading them and I'm making, mm. I'm just doing all this stuff. And I got stuck on something for probably about a week and a half. And I kept asking them and they were like, honestly, I don't know what you're doing everything right. 
And I'm sitting there thinking like, I'm doing it. <laughs> like, I can't figure it out. Right. So finally, I got to a place where I figured it out about a week and a half in. And like, and then I, that solved the problem for them, a major problem that made them money. Right. I was able to record me doing it and why I did it the way I did and how it worked in a loom video and then send that to their VAs. And so then the VAs took the project. But so mm. it, it basically came into like, I was like, how much money can I make this company? Not how much money can I make? How much money can I make this company? Because the money that I make them and I'm responsible directly be defined by how much they pay me. Right. And now I know like that, that threshold is about three X, right? They can get a three X return on, on a human capital. It's a win. Right. Right. And so like they're paying me zero. So they had infinite return. And so after a while providing so much they got to a point where they felt bad and like their partners, like to their partners and you know, they're, they're talking to him. What do we do with this guy? Like he's providing so much value. And then they finally come up with, we're going to pay this guy. Let's make him an affiliate manager. Like he wants to make money. Like he hustle with it, whatever he does. And he might not know how to do it, but we'll teach him how to do it. And he'll pick it up very fast because I was adaptable and I provided that much value. And so then I started making like 750 a week plus commission. I was like 750 a week. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. And so again, like it happened the value exceeded they pay me and that is such a fine and i was willing to go and go and go without being paid i would set a little bit more of a boundary um but you know that's kind of started right and and then you you know you obviously built started to build build from that right so when i want to fast forward a little bit because i think when, when you're, I think your back's to the wall to a certain extent, or when, when you have a limited amount of, I guess, choices at the end of the day of, of what you can do, you're, you're, I think when you were in college, right, and you first started through this process, and even before college, you were still in that, that survivor's mindset, right? The scrappy, you were just getting it done, doing it, and, and, like you wake up in the morning and there's no really choice of whether you want to get up and, and go to work or do the things you want to be doing. It was, hey, do I want to reach X goal? Yes. Do I have any other options? Not really. So it was, hey, get up and get after it. And I think most people, when you're in that survivor mindset, they'll get it done. Mm -hmm. But you, you go through that progression and you do it all over again and you do it often enough to where you'll see the fruits of your labor but what what happens is i think i think everyone goes through it is like you reach a certain point of of comfort this is another part in the in the stage we're kind of going through it where like you hit a certain level of comfort or or kind of complacency can you talk a little bit of about like a time where you feel like you hit that that moment of complacency or you feel like maybe you started hitting that that point to where you're hitting your head against the ceiling to a certain extent, but you're not in that survivor's mindset anymore. So it's still like comfortable. And what happened to kind of get you out of it if if you did rather soon? 
Man, the the okay, so the level the level of comfortability was in a, in the previous job, right? Mm. It was in the previous job, right? When then you work and work and work and work and you build yourself up, right? And you're like when you're like in my, my mindset was and always has been to a degree is I'm 150% even though I'm only required to do about 75 in order to pass, right? Right. I'm going to go 150% on the things that I think matter because there's going to be so much more learning if I do go 150% rather than 75. And so like the only person I'm capping is myself if I don't go 150% and like the experience. And so like when I was in a position where I'm like, cool, you know, I became great at sales. Yeah. And I became a sales. And now I'm overseeing a number of people and I'm growing the brand and I'm all this different stuff. And it was just like, mm. I'm going to test a whole bunch of different stuff. But the comfortability came in the money. Yeah. Yeah. The, the money was like, this is, this is too good to just stop. Right. And so it was comfortable just to continue only focusing in on what produced me money yeah, and produce that money. And that is where like time, but ultimately for me began to feel like death once there was no more growth. And, and I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is the comfortability where it's it's just enough to where it's sweet enough to keep you in it but there's not a massive level of like shock or pain to cause that change and i don't know like i think that that's that's what a lot of us struggle with. I mean, I know that's something that I've personally struggled with for a while is kind of forcing almost that level of, of, of pain on yourself to cause some sort of change. But there needs to come a time where you kind of need it, again, going back to that original piece we we're talking about, is take that ownership and be intentional about what you want to do next. But, I mean, I remember we had that conversation when you wanted to take the next step and take that, that step into becoming and, and starting your own sales agency, right? And I remember before we even, before you started doing it, you had this feeling, right? And, and I, I want you, you to kind of talk about this a little bit more, but I, I, I remember one of the things you did was you called me. And we talked, and you're like, man, like, this is just something that I'm feeling. There's pain that I feel. I feel like it might be time to make that transition. This is what I'm potentially thinking about doing. And that was it. Like, it wasn't necessarily like you, you didn't have a massive plan as far as, hey, this is how it's, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. There wasn't any. But the, you did the first step, which is you had that feeling where you're like, man, I'm comfortable right now. Am I really advancing my, am I, you know, I'm doing 150% and I feel like I'm not getting compensated in that way or maybe I'm not progressing as much as I could be. But I don't really know what to do about it yet. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I, I want to feed this, this feeling and, and talk about it. And I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, as far as kind of how that process went into like it coming up in this, you know, you're not really knowing what to do about it into like slowly nurturing it versus getting emotional. Because I think that's what a lot of people get is like, you know, you get this feeling, of, you know, screw this is because of this and this person versus taking ownership. 100%. So like the first thing I'll say is give the background context of this was the job of my dreams. Right. My identity was wrapped up in it. I was, by, by other people's standards and thoughts, I was the man. I was making a like money that I never thought I could and that I dreamed of, right? And I had a tremendous amount of responsibility and I was also serving like all the, all the people on my team. And for the first time I was the leader when I never thought I could be mm. those three things. Right. And so it began to things, but when things, things began to change and I began to feel the change and like, I literally began to realize, like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard this saying, but like a salary or a paycheck is just something they give you to forget your dreams. Like, mm. It is so, because when you yeah. get that dopamine hit of that check, like you're like, oh, I can spend down this or I can live this life. Or, I can drive this car. Or, I can do this. And like right. all that, right. And like my dreams were gone. Like I didn't work on my book like for, for a year and a half because I, I told myself, I said like, I'm making more money than I ever thought I could, you know? Right. And like, right. forget that for a second. Let's put that on hold. But like the dreams were still knocking. I just wasn't listening. And so like that became the transition. Like, like once, once like the pain was so it became internally and the growth stopped, like, again, like the dreams are always, I just started listening. Mm. And so then I began to feel like this, like over and over and over again, like, wait, can I do this? Like, can I stay? Can I grow? Can I, can I get to the next level? Like, right. or do I have to leave in order to do it? And so like, it was constantly this conflicting back and forth thought. And it reminded me of the same thoughts I, I had when like, I moved to Florida, like, right. is it worth it? Is it not like, like what would life be like with this? What would life be like with that? And so like, I tend to give myself a time of a period of grace to make yeah. a decision. And it's just so that I'm not making any rational decision. And so then I honestly, I consult all the people that I value their opinion. And like, like one of them, for example, is my mom. And she's always been, you know, a W2. And she's grown a tremendous amount and I'm so proud of her, but she's always been a W2. And so like, I ask her, like, what should I do? And I know she's gonna say something of Always do the opposite when it comes to career. Not to say I don't respect my mom, I just know who I'm talking to. Like I'm, I understand who I'm talking to, right? And so like, I began to like have the conversations of like what it could be like on the other side or what, or what I could be like staying, right? Like staying in the job or, or taking the leap, like, like which one is it? Yeah. And so one thing I always do is I journal, like whenever I am going through a time or, or like even like, so I'll do it. I, for one time I did it daily for a long time. I did it daily. Now I do it every other day or when something's really urgent that I know is a lesson. Like 
I will just write yeah. and then I'll read it. And then what I'll do is I'll say, cool. Like, was there any other time that I went through like this that I did maybe from a year ago? And I'll flip back in the pages and I'll read an old page. Mm. You know, it's like, even now when I get discouraged, like for a second, I go back to the journal page that was like the decision day. And then like the day the pain started and I'm like, oh, that's how I felt. Right, so it's a mechanism to keep a feedback loop to myself of what was the past and what is the present. And it gives you context on what could be and what should be in the present and future. And so like, it was a feeling that again, journaled and began to understand and wrap my head around. And then as again, as I consulted mentors and coaches and experts and you know people in my life, it, it became clear that I wasn't gonna be happy. And like, I like me being happy is growth. Like the hard, the, the more I learn, the harder I work, like the happier I am. And so like, that's not everybody granted, like that's just self-awareness on my end. Like that's how I, was, I, how I grew up and I was conditioned. Right. But so like, I knew I had to be happy. Yeah. And like to wake up every day and be like, I don't want to get out of bed versus like the level of excitement that I felt for years. I'm like, I can't wait to get out of bed. I'm excited to learn something new today. Or I'm excited to make this difference today. Or I'm excited to help this person. Like, like those, like that, that wasn't there anymore. And it was time to move. It, it became clear. Like too many days in a row journaling about the same problems. It was like, it's time to move. I just don't know when. Yeah. And, and that's what you did. I mean, you, you kind of bided your time. And, and I, I like what you brought up about not getting emotional about it. Or, you know, it, I think, I think there's a difference between letting the emotions come out and feeling the pain and feeling the emotions behind it, but not letting that affect the decision. I think emotions and pain are very powerful because what it does is it lets you know something's wrong. It lets you know, and it's kind of that internal, maybe temperature, internal alarm saying, hey man, something's not right. But it's important, and I like that idea of, of, hey, give yourself a grace period to actually make the decision. Because if you go out and you make a decision ba only based off that emotion, you're, you, know, you might make a decision you're gonna regret. Right, but I, I really like that idea of, hey, the, all the, really the emotion and the pain is, is it's an alarm to let you know that something's up. And then with that information, you then take it and, and make a real decision out of it. That's not just based on the emotions and the pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, it's a feedback loop in a sense. Right. And so once we recognize it as a feedback loop, like I know, I know for me that when I'm happiest and when I'm learning and growing, as I said, right, I am actually making the most impact on the people around me. Like I'm a better son. I'm a better brother. I'm a better friend. I'm a better boyfriend. I'm a better, mm. uh, uh, co-worker like I'm a better boss like whatever it is I'm better I just know I'm better I'm more of who I am and so like if, it, if it's if it's just about me the selfish decision is to stay stay in the same place ignore the feedback loop stay in the same place but when I thought about all the people that are impacted by my joy and by my growth that's that's when it got real because then I'm sitting there thinking like, 
cool, like this is my sphere of influence now. Like this is the people that I feel like need me to be my best right now. Like when, I, when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, right? When I have charities, like there's so many more people that need me to be the best, to be the best person I can, not the best, the best person I can, right? And so then it became like, it's selfish to just do me. It's selfish to make a decision based off of me. It's, it's not selfish to make the decision based off of everybody else that I can impact with the growth and with being happy and just being myself. Mm, mm. So y- your thought process was, I'm, I'm limiting my, my impact that I'm having on others by staying where I'm at. 100%. There, a, a podcast is something that I would never, ever, ever have done. But because I'm in a different place and because I see, like, because I'm in a growth mode, like, right. again, like, the viewers, like, there's value because of some of the yeah. decisions I had to make in the past and that you had to make in the past, Clemente. Right. Do, do you feel like maybe now you're, you're back in that, it's, it's interesting, right? Because you went from having a job, having something like, you had a stable paycheck, right? And you were very good at being a manager. You were, you were very proficient at, you were excelling in it and you were getting paid for it. But now, do you think that you're going full circle to a certain extent where now that you're working for yourself and you're starting your own agency and you're, you're in this entrepreneurial mindset, do you feel like you're now back in that value giving aspect where you're kind of maybe similar process back to when you were in college where you're like, hey, I got to lead with value. And you're trying to maybe with the impact piece, you're trying to add value to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I struggle with, right, is, like, people-pleasing, right? Like, trying to add too much value. Yeah. And so, like, that's, a, that's a, the flip side of the problem, right? right? When, you hit a certain, when you hit a certain level, right? When you hit a certain space where you're like, this is my business, and there's boundaries, and there is, like, an expectation, and there's a scope of work, and all that kind of stuff, like, there needs to be certain level of you can't people please based on that you're not trying to prove yourself anymore like there's no prove yourself like you're it you know like there's a level of that and so like 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 to provide a tremendous value like as many people as you possibly can um but like yes you're yes you're extremely valuable and like know that you are but you're not trying to prove anything, right? Yeah. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. How, when you were, when you made the decision to finally go and, and start this new journey for yourself, how, like, I, if you could walk me through that a little bit, I mean, as far as, because for, from my journey and, and from what I've done is, is like, and I know we've talked about, about this before where, all of the decisions all of a sudden are on you, right? Like I think there's, there is almost a little bit of, of a beauty in waking up and, and having 20 of your decisions done for you and you only have to do four or five, right? The person you work for makes most of the decision for you. It's interesting. 
Mm-hmm. But when, when you do things for yourself, you need to make all of those decisions. And that was something that was like really difficult for me and I'm still working on is like learning which decisions and, and actually flexing that muscle. Like decision making is, is a skill mm-hmm. and it takes yeah. work. How was it for you transitioning from that into working for yourself for the first like month or so? Like what, what were some of the biggest things that you struggled with and, and how did you move past that? The biggest, okay, so the biggest thing that I struggled with is changing from money, money paid to money I create. Mm. And so, like, money paid to me in a check on a silver platter, over and beyond, here you go, to now I got to create the business. I got to create the income. That was a massive transition and mindset shift. I would say that alone caused a tremendous amount of fear and doubt. There was a tremendous amount of fear and doubt for the period of time, which was five weeks before I signed my first client. Because mm. it was like, I'm you know, going to the gym and then walking the dog and then like, then what? Like, what, what, should, I be, <laughs> what should I be working on? Right, right. Like, you know, my friends get done with work at like, you know, three o'clock or whatever it is. Like, what do I do until three o'clock, four o'clock, <laughs> you know? And so like, there was all this time to myself where I was having fear, mm-hmm. where I was like, did I, did I, did I leave too early? Did I, did I, did I listen to the calling? Like, did I, am I becoming who I want to be? Like, am I giving going the right direction? Like there was just so much fear that happened and, and I'm a person of faith. And so like, that was the most conflicting thing was like, cool. Like I'm faithful and I believe in this path, but then like all this fear is stirring. Like, what is this? Yeah. And so like the only option I had was to get really clear on the vision. And so like, again, thank an executive coach and mentors and stuff like that. Like I created a vision board and I looked at it every single day. I journaled every day throughout the process of fear to get my emotions down on paper so that I can understand. Like, I'm a weirdo. I video myself and like, and I talk to myself in video and then I watch it and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking. How can I change that? Like, so I do all these weird mechanisms. They're not weird, they're high performing mechanisms in order to like get past the things that are like hurting me and I know are hurting me. And so like, I created a vision board and got really clear on like what my vision for my life is, not just the business. Like, why am I creating the business? And then I went through, uh, I went through a book called vivid vision, highly recommend it. Um, went to the top of a mountain, sat at the top of the mountain after we actually write the vision and I got my ear, my hair, my, uh, AirPods in and I'm sitting crisscross applesauce on a rock overlooking valleys in Arizona. And so like the mountains to me had become like what the ocean was in Florida. And so like that place of rest, that place of high level thinking. And so like, I just sat there and I meditated and then wrote something down in my notes and then started meditating again. Next thought that came down. And like the focus was the vision. Like, what am I trying to create? I had an idea of what I was trying to create the, the business and the life and like my relationship and my friendships and 
my faith and all this kind of stuff. Once I understood like what I was trying to create, then it was like, cool. I understand the steps I need to take from that nine to three or eight to three or seven to three, whatever it is before my friends get out, even before I sign my first client in order to create that when I do sign my client. Yeah. And then that believe in you more than you believe in yourself for a second, like yeah. massive, so massive. Like I remember hitting up, contacting you or our other yeah. friends, right? And again, like here's, here's, here's what I'm doing. Like, here's what I'm yeah. trying to build. Like, and the support, like all this, like all the stuff, because we're all trying to do it. We're, like everybody's trying to do it together. Trying to take the next step. Yeah. And so when you get around a bunch of high performers, you become a high performer. And like you support them and they support you. And so like yeah. that was massive to me. Yeah, man. And and I think it's it's really important to acknowledge and recognize that the fear is gonna be there. Right? And and not not even try to ignore it necessarily, but like it's it's inevitable that when you try something new, when you venture off outside of your comfort zone, that fear is gonna be there. Self doubt is gonna be there. And it's important to then go back and realign with why you're doing this in the first place. It's like, write it down. Understand why you're here. Take the fear, turn it into, then go, okay, well, why am I doing this? And I think that then gives you clarity. Mm -hmm. And when you then couple that clarity with people that believe in you and are going to encourage you as well as mentors that can help you lay out the path, you can then start understanding what you need to do in terms of making that happen and where you need to pour your energy into. Because like, I, I, I don't know if I'm a believer about the fact that like people are necessarily lazy. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that people are lazy, man. I think that, I think some people have, have more of a work ethic, but I think when you're aligned and you have clarity on like, A, what you're trying to accomplish, and then B, the steps you need to take to actually get there, I think you'd be, you'd be surprised by how hardworking people can be. What I will say is like, thank God for my girlfriend, Tori. <laughs> honestly like i remember going to her and be like i'm depressed i'm scared i don't know what to do yeah. like i shouldn't have done this like i made the wrong decision like and she just goes well why did you leave then yep and 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 i and i and, and then all the emotions came back i left because of this and this and this and this okay now what do we do <laughs> yeah. back, like you said to resurface like what why did this why was the decision made or once I understood what the, why the decision was made again, and that was a daily process, like yeah. then I was able to like kind of align what the next step is. The other thing is, is like there's a time for work, right? And work, I actually calling, right? So there's a time for calling, like doing and working your calling. And then there's a time to like process the emotions and do the emotional work. And so really like even a nine to five is not a nine to five. You're working a nine to five, you're doing your calling for a nine to five, right? But then all the emotional work and all the thought and the strategy to then take it to the next level, like that happens before and you, right? Like it, it, it really does. Yeah, yep. 
think you're right. People aren't lazy. They just take the time to do that work. They want the instant yeah. gratification of what's in front of them, the party, drinks, the drugs, the uh, sex, the whatever, in order to like avoid all of that because they don't Escaping. want it bad enough. Yeah. Well, it, that, yeah, I, that's a really, really interesting point. And doing the emotional work and having that self-awareness to sit in, in the pain, sit in the hard versus avoiding it and escaping and then taking the weekend to like be hungover, be whatever, and then Monday comes around, you're like, okay, well, I got to go to work again. Um, yeah, and, and I think, well, I think that's an interesting point, right? And, and I don't know if it's the fact that people don't want it enough. I think it's the fact that, like, maybe people don't necessarily know what they want and why they want it. And it's kind of a general, like, well, I, I you know, you know, you go through the exercise, like, hey, well, I hate my job. Well, why do you hate your job? Well, because of X, Y, and Z. I think it goes, if you feel that you hate your job, if you feel that pain, use it. And take it to the next level. Okay, you hate your job. Why do you hate it? Write down all the things that you hate about it. Let that pain come up. Acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Step one from there is talk to people about it. Talk to your trusted individuals and call them up. Call up your parents and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Call up your best friend. Hey, this is what I feel. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend. This is what I have going on. Let those feelings come to the surface because it's okay to acknowledge them. And like I think a lot of people refuse to acknowledge that. Part of that, maybe you'll agree with me. I'm curious what you think. I think part of that is because of like the social media has caused us to work in really interesting ways because we are suffering with X, Y, and Z feeling, but then we jump on Instagram and there's no one else that's feeling that way. You see everybody else living these perfect lives or doing all these really cool things and no one else is talking about it. So instead of acknowledging the feeling and saying this is okay to be feeling, you say I need to throw that feeling away because no one else is feeling that way. I need to escape it and then do something else and escape that feeling. I 100% agree. And it's funny, I'm actually going through a period of time, like a season of life, where I'm probably the least active I've ever been on Instagram. Mm. And I'm actually most connected to what it is I want to do. And there's so many things that I want to talk about yeah. right now, right? There's so yeah. many things that I want to post and do. And like, I'm thinking like, who am I trying to prove? Like, what, like yeah. who am I trying to prove it to? Me or someone else? Yeah. And, and so like, cool, like no one knew, like I didn't post on Instagram and show highlights when I was going through fear and depression, like <laughs> right. in between a job and my first client, right? Like I didn't post anything then, but, I, but I'm also like, I shouldn't post anything now either because like, right. cool, yep. like I have clients, but like, like what's the purpose? And so unless there's yep. a clear, precise purpose like that I'm encouraging or impacting somebody else, what am I doing? Yep. Who am I trying to, what am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to prove it to? Like the worst thing is to do things based off people, the opinions of people that you don't even like. Yeah. What's the point of it? 
And it took me so long to realize that like people's opinions don't matter. Like mm. what what does it matter what this one thinks from high school or this one thinks from this one thinks of this one's parent? Like, who cares? Like we have one life to live. Like the fact that we're gonna die is it. Like, yeah. like, like, why did I write a book? Like, why did I go back to the drawing board after making money and forgetting my dreams and then go write a book? Because I said, if I go to my deathbed and I don't produce this book, even though I don't think it's perfect, right? Like, because I'm a perfectionist, right? Even though I don't think it's perfect, like, I have to get it out there. Because if I'm on my deathbed and I'm 85 years old and I'm sitting there saying, and, you know, doc tells me I got, you know, a couple months left to live, I'm not going to write a book then. Right. Like I'm going to sit in the misery and the regret of what I should have done or could not should have never should, but could have done when I was 23, 22, 24 and the people that I could impact their lives and share the message with in order for them to take the next step in their life and not have regret in their life. So me saying no to regret and putting myself in the deathbed, like that made me do it. Mm. That's yeah, I, and I I think that's such an interesting concept, man. Of like thinking about, and even though you're so disconnected, maybe from social media, the fact that you're more, and this is the most connected you've maybe been with yourself and with the people that you're closest with, even though it's social media that is supposed to bring us all closer together. So yeah, man. I mean. I, Really good stuff. I mean, I think at the end of the day, man, the, the main things that stick out to me right now and, and in, in all honesty, this is the most like fired up I think I've seen you in a really, really long time. And the mo <laughs> it, but it, in, a, in a really good way where it, it makes me think about back when you were managing towards the end of it and we'd have these conversations where you know, now we talk about, well, when am I being my best self? When am I working towards being my best self? And am I serving other people in the best way possible? And comparing the two versions of John, where you were back then going through that uncomfortability of feeling like, and you acknowledge that feeling of, hey, I'm not being my best self, I'm not pursuing my best self, and therefore I'm not impacting people in the best way that I can. And seeing that version of you going through that pain to now, to where you are in that zone of chasing it and you're in it and you're connected with yourself, there's a very big difference. And it, it excites me to see that. And this is, I mean, it really ties everything together as far as like the reason why I, I wanted to start this thing why I want to start this podcast is like, I, I think there's a lot of people that are leaving this side of themselves on the table. And rather than dealing with the growth, like with the pain of, of going through and figuring out what you want and talking to people about it and that uncomfortability of it, they're dealing with the uncomfortability of feeling like maybe time's going by and they still haven't chased that next hobby, that next business, that next project that they've maybe been field been been called to to take on but they haven't yet how much happiness are they leaving on the table mm -hmm. 
your when your action when your when your action meets your mind, it cre creates alignment. Mm. When your mind and your action aren't the same, it creates depression. And so, like, for anybody listening, like, if you're in a space where, like, you're depressed because your mind's going one way and your action's going another because you're not doing exactly what it is you want, like, it's time to consider the next step. It's time to consider it's time to start the process of journaling and self-actualization and like being aware of your thoughts and having the conversations as we're talking about. Because like we were not created to be depressed. Yeah. We're not created to sit and sulk. We're created to create whatever it is and be excited and be fulfilled in everything that we do. And a career or a business get be in the top of whatever industry that you want like that is it that is what we could be right that is what the is and when we are that the amount of people that we can mentor and help and like benefit like process like everything i know everything that i learn is something i'll teach to somebody else or i'll put it in a book either one right and that's like, that's like what we're talking about, like mentors, right? Mentors are just teaching based off experience. Coaches are just teaching yeah. based off experience. And it's, it's that experience of that pain, the hills and the valleys that ultimately get us to the point where then impact someone else's life. Like, I don't know if you remember talking about it, but it's like the tunnels, like is tunnels. You go through a tunnel and it's extremely dark and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's small. It's really small, but as you take the next step, right forward, you take a step forward and you take another step forward, the light gets bigger and bigger and eventually you make yourself out of the tunnel. And then when you look back, when you're out of the tunnel, there's other people going through the same tunnel you just went through. And so you might as well help them get through it. Mm. Right. Or what your the knowledge and experience that you have is only geared and self-centered towards you. Yeah. Living is giving. And when we give, we feel like we live and we breathe life and, and how other people live. So living is giving. Right. Love, love that, man. Love that. A lot of, lot of good stuff in here. I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to go through this and, and um, get some takeaways for it. But I, I mean, even myself, I had, I had a lot of good stuff come from this. Um, the, the, at the end of the day, man, you're, you're, full on I love the full accountability you have the ownership and the intentionality you have behind what you do um, and and the, f the cool things that you see happen when you are aligned with with your purpose and what you want to accomplish but you don't get to know your purpose and know what maybe you're called to do next unless you do the hard work unless you do the work of sitting in it and journaling and talking to people about it people that know you and having people that believe in you encouraged to explore what's next. And I, you're, you're a living example of it, man. You're, you're sitting here, we get to have this conversation, but if you hadn't made that decision back in 2013 to take that accountability for yourself and act on that feeling, it would have been a completely different, different scenario, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, it could have been, could have been a statistic at the end of the day, right? Yep. And so, Really, really inspiring stuff, man. Um, I'm really excited for you. Um, I 
couldn't have thought of a diff of a better person to have this this first episode with. I'm excited for people to unpack this, and what I'll do is I'll attach your your social media link for people to follow you on Instagram, reach out to you if they'd like, and order that book, man, because some good stuff in there. You've I, I know you've put in a lot of life's experiences in there. Um, so a lot to unpack, man, and and. I appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, for coming on and, and spending some time with me on this. Dude, you are so welcome. Like, I, I love what you're doing, the whole concept behind it. Like, it is so needed and you're gonna benefit so many, you're gonna help and benefit and like impact so many people. This is just the beginning of this and it's gonna hit levels that you never thought. Just staying consistent and doing, doing what you're called to do. And I, I just love it, man. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Thanks.